Amen, amen. Amen. That is who he is. He's a waymaker. How many of you know he's a waymaker? Let me show you how. I'm, I'm walking around DFW Honda. Let me say that over again. I'm walking around DFW Honda uh, because I had to take my motorcycle there to get a new battery in it. Now, I'm just telling you the way God is out there beyond these four walls. You know, because we don't want to compartmentalize our faith, right? We don't want to come in here and, and be one thing and then go out there and be something else. We want to be the same thing here as we are out there. So I was not prepared to be when I was walking around DFW Honda. And on jeans, motorcycle boots, T-shirt, helmet head. You know what helmet is, head is? When you've had the helmet on, it makes your hair look like um, the guy in our gang, Spanky. Flattens it and all that. So I'm just walking around, hadn't shaved. The last thing I'm thinking about is talking to somebody about Jesus. I'm being honest with you. I was there to get a new, bat- new battery. And so I'm, I'm walking into the showroom and I hear a voice. Pastor Jeff, is that you? I flicked that cigarette real quick. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just want to see if y'all were there. You couldn't, you couldn't put a gun to my head and get me to touch a cigarette. But anyway, a little humor. Anyway, so I said, yes, that's me. And he goes, oh my gosh, he said, I can't believe it. I work here now as a young man, about 19. He says, we're in your church every week on the front row. Now, they're not here in this service. They're going to be in the second one. And he said, he said, my dad won't believe that I ran into you here. And I said, well, good. We'll tell him. I said, hello. And he said, well, you tell him. He's back here. He works here too. So now I'm being dragged back there. And here's the dad. He's a motorcycle mechanic, all tatted up. And he, and he, he sees me. And he goes, wow. He says, let me tell you my story. And he says, I've been in and out of jail. I've been in prison. But I got out, and I was trying to make something of my life. I got married. This is my stepson. And he said, one day my wife said to me, I've been listening to this guy on radio. And she said, I checked it out, and they're only 30 minutes from here. So I want to go hear him. So he goes, okay. They loaded up the car. He said, Pastor Jeff, that was two years ago. And I gave my life over the Lordship of Jesus that day. And he said, now watch this. He said, and I've been walking red hot ever since. And he said, he said, seriously, well, about that time, another employee comes back there who was helping me with something. And this guy, the ex-prisoner, said, this is the guy I've been talking to you about. Now there's four of us. And... So the guy goes, oh, so you're the one. He, he's been inviting me to come to your church. Now I'm realizing that this ex-prisoner has become a little evangelist in his workplace. So the fourth guy goes, yeah, well, he's, been telling me, he's been telling me to come. And I said, well, listen, if you'll come, I will come right down off the front row and walk right up to you and say hello to you. He says, no, that's what I'm afraid of. I don't want to be embarrassed. And I said, okay, then I won't do it. I'll just say hi from the stage. But Come. About then, another guy comes back there that was helping me with something else. He says, this is the guy I've been talking to you about. Now there's another employee. Now we got five of us. Now listen, God made my voice to be heard. He did. I'm just telling you, for good or bad, that's why I got to be real careful because he made me to be heard. 
So, because when I whisper, it goes a block. So I'm talking to them, and then I'm realizing people all around are keyed in. Because we're talking about the things of God. We're saying the name Jesus that I'm going to talk to you about today. And, and I'm realizing other men, because it's all men back here, are listening. And I'm telling you, church, I was this close to just opening up and just preaching. I was this close. But I, 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 I minister Jesus to these guys. I invite all of them to church. And I realized that this guy's been going through his workplace witnessing to everybody. And he wasn't lifting me up. He was just, he was bragging on what happened to him when they came here. He said, from that Sunday on, we've never left. Now, I went out uh, into the, I don't mean to keep you standing this long, but I'm going to keep you standing just a little bit longer. Um, so I went out into the, the uh, little service area and I pulled up a stool and this 19-year-old boy that had first seen me came up to me and I looked at him and I said, son, how did you come to Jesus? And he bowed and he began to bawl like a baby. Now there's people checking out. He works there. His boss is walking around. He begins to weep. And he said, I'm so tired of feeling like a hypocrite. He said, I'm so struggling, Pastor Jeff. And he said, I think it's just a God thing that you came here today. He said, oh, the Holy Spirit's all over me. He did. All of a sudden, we're having church in DFW Honda. Right? And I said, listen, you come Sunday and I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to hook you up with some people that are going to help you. And we had a prayer and his stepfather saw him crying, came over and hugged him. We were having family reunion. We were having a God moment. So what I want you to see is the Lord, the Holy Spirit's working around all the time out there. Whatever you get in here, you need to take out there. Because if that happens to me again, I'm preaching. I'm just going to let it go. I, I, I'm serious. It was this close. All right. Every, can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that? And they're going to be in the second service. And I'm going to stand the dad up and just introduce him because uh, he's doing what we pray everybody does. Witness everywhere you go. Amen. Going to the book of Revelations, chapter 1, verse 12. Let's quickly read through it. And I want to talk to you today about the church God blesses, the church that God blesses. Revelations 1, verse 12, when I turned to see who was speaking to me, this is John talking, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. Listen to the way Jesus looked. His head and his hair were white like wool. Hallelujah, glory to God. We're getting there. <laughs> as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. 
and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. That's why he will be the one that lights up heaven. Verse 17, when I saw him, John says, I fell at his feet like I was dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I'm the first and I'm the last. I'm the living one. Listen to this, everybody. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Right now what you have seen, John, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen, this is the meaning. Now listen closely, everybody. He's going to tell us a couple of things about what John saw. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. Let me tell you who the, what they meant. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. We're a lampstand. That's how Jesus saw the church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Blessed I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them this is going to be good, and you can be seated. God bless you. Amen. You know, I'm looking forward to the day that we just go out there in the highways and hedges and preach outside the church walls. You are anointed to do that too. Amen. Now, there's three things going on here with what we read. First, Jesus appears to John as the glorious resurrected Messiah. What an incredible sight Jesus was. Eyes like fire, hair white like wool, uh, skin like polished bronze, a voice that sounded like, uh, like you were standing at Niagara Falls. All right? A mighty, resurrected Messiah. And how different than he was when he was on earth in appearance. So John sees him. And this is the opening of the book of Revelation. This is the opening vision that John sees. Now, second, he's seen standing in the midst of seven lampstands. That is, Jesus is. Jesus is seen standing in the midst of the seven lampstands. Can you imagine with me Jesus standing right there in the midst of us? Standing right there. So it tells us that he is in, integrally connected to his church. He, he is there in the midst. He's not off on Mars somewhere. He's in our midst. He's here. He dwells among us. If, if, if we love him, preach his name, and stay true to him. And the lampstands, Jesus identifies as the seven churches. But then the resurrected Messiah standing in the midst of the churches has something in his right hand. And it's seven stars. And so we go, well, what are the seven stars? Well, he tells us. He says the, the seven stars are seven angels. Now, it's very important we understand here that in the Greek language, when the, Greek, when the translators went to translate from Greek to English, they called the Greek word angelos, angels. But angelos means messengers. That's what it means. So in his right hand are seven messengers. Well, he can't be talking about literal angels as the translators translated it because he, he's going to be handing out warnings and corrections to them. And see, angels don't sin. Angels don't make mistakes. They don't need to be corrected because they're flawless. They perfectly obey God. So he can't be talking about angels here. Well, then who's he talking about? He's talking about, I believe, the leadership of the church. The angelos, the messengers, 
not just the senior speaker or the, 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 what they would call today the, the, the lead teacher or whatever, senior pastor, but I believe all church leadership can be lumped into it. He, he says, I'm holding in my right hand the seven messengers in the seven churches that are like lampstands. So we are the light of the world. Literally, every church is supposed to be a lampstand. No man lights a candle, puts it under a bushel, but they put it on a candlestick so that all it gives light to all that are in the house. Like what happened to me at DFW Honda. See, the church spilled out into DFW Honda. And what happened to DFW Honda? Well, uh, uh, the light came on. And the Holy Spirit began to move. And it was, it was light. I was representing you and us, this church. I was a lampstand. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. So very important that we get this now because he's talking about the messenger. So he, what he's going to say now, we're going to see in the first three chapters of Revelation that Jesus addresses these seven churches that are lampstands. He's got something to say to every one of them. Five of them, he gives good and bad. He, he, he commends them for certain things, and he corrects them for certain things. Five of the seven. One of those five gets no commendation at all. It's all correction. Two of them don't get corrected at, at all. Jesus gives them a, a, a great big attaboy. You're doing everything right. So out of seven of them, five get corrected. But here's what I want to point out. To every one of them, he begins his word with this. He says, I know your works. I know your works. I know your works. Because, see, I'm standing in the midst of the seven churches. I'm right there. I'm seeing everything. Nothing escapes my eyes that are like a flame of fire. My eyes have x-ray vision. I see everything is laid out before me. So I know your works. Now, when he says works, he means I know your deeds. I know what you're preaching and not preaching. I know what you're allowing and not allowing. I know what you're doing and not doing. I, I know what your outreach is. I know what it's not. I, I know how bright your light is or, or how not so bright it is. I, I know if you're compromising. I know, if you're, I know everything about you. I know your works. And he tells every one of them, those four words are the opening salvo to every one of these churches. I know your works. Now, knowing that and looking at what he says to the seven churches, you can do this. You can either focus on the criticisms he made of them or you can focus on the positives. Well, hey, it's been a tough year. I'm not focusing on the criticisms. I want to focus on the positives because he commends them. He says, he says here's what you're doing right Here's what you're doing that I can amen. Here's what you're doing that I can put my blessing on. So I'm going to talk about the church God blesses. How many of you want to be in a blessed church? All right? So, so, so let's talk about the church that God blesses. What, what three characteristics is all I have time for. But I'm going to pull three things out that he says to the ones he commends. There's a repetition there is a repetition. There's three things he points out that is true of more than one of them. So here they are, and I want you to say them with me. Say perseverance, 
kept the faith, kept his name. Oh my, how important this is. They persevered in the work of God. They kept the faith and they kept Jesus' name. Now, let's start with perseverance. Jesus recognizes and commends perseverance in several of these churches. Let me read a couple of examples. He says to the Ephesian church, here it is, I know your works, I know your labor, I know your perseverance, and you have persevered and have patience. Now that's a commendation. That's a pat on the back. That's Jesus saying, I can bless that and I can honor that and I can commend you for that. You have persevered. The verse goes on, and you have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. You didn't faint. You didn't give up. You didn't put up the white flag. You didn't walk away. But you persevered to the end. You persevered. You didn't quit. The spirit of quit did not get on you. You persevered. Same thing to the church in Thyatira. Jesus says, I know your works. I know your love. I know your service. I know your faith. And I know your patience. Same word, perseverance. So, so perseverance is a characteristic that God clearly blesses. Now, let me tell you, church, we're living in a day where the Bible predicts there's going to be an apostasy. People are going to literally walk away from the faith. And you know what that means? There's going to be a lot of fainting. A lot of people are going to faint. Uh, they're going to faint for several reasons. They're not going to like the persecution, so they're going to faint and walk away, and they're not going to persevere to the end. There are some that are going to get caught up in some kind of sin, and because they get caught up in some kind of sin, they're just going to walk away, and they're not going to persevere. There are people that are going to get caught up in the cares of this world and, and, and the lust for riches, and because different things grab their attention and lure them away from the faith, they're, they're going to give up, and they're not going to persevere. That's the Word of God. Paul told Timothy, in the last days, many are going to depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, and they're not going to persevere. There's something to be said for perseverance. Perseverance means to continue in the work of the Lord without giving up, to continue in the work of the Lord and in your walk with the Lord without giving up. It means you continue in spite of adversity in spite of setbacks, in spite of letdowns, in spite of disappointments, in spite of betrayals, in spite of a, maybe a, you fail a little bit here and there and, and you're discouraged over your own behavior, but, but you don't give up. You persevere. You put on perseverance. You know what it says about Jesus? It says about our Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would have this characteristic. He set his face like a flint. Now, that means when you set your face like a flint, that is a metaphor for somebody who has resolved in their heart, no matter what comes my way, I will not quit. I will not put up the white flag. I will not walk away. I will walk with Jesus to the end. Did Jesus not do this in the Garden of Gethsemane? Do you remember when Jesus prayed? Jesus was sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. Literally, the corpuscles were bursting under his skin. He so dreaded what he was about to experience. And, and I want you to note what Jesus prayed. He said, Father, if there is any way that I can get out of this, if there is any other path I can take, 
if there's any other route I can walk and still accomplish the same thing, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. What was he doing right there? Setting his face like a flint. I will not quit. I'm going to go all the way to the cross and die for the sins of men. And he did it. And you know what we are? We're the result of the perseverance of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank God Jesus persevered because what else did he say? He said, don't you know that I could call right now on the Father and he would send 12 legions of angels to whisk me out of here? I could get out of this place immediately, but I'm not going to do it because the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost and to give his life a ransom, a substitute for many. And so he persevered. He set his face like a flint. Now, folks, it's going to take that in these last days with every believer who names the name of Jesus. It's going to take perseverance. We've got to walk in perseverance. We've got to make up our mind. No matter what they say about me, no matter how hard the going gets, I have resolved to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. No turning back. I am going to persevere to the end. Jesus said, he that endures, same word, he that endures to the end shall be saved. This is why there's verses like this. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Why would doing good get you tired? I'll tell you why. Because when you're doing good in the name of Jesus, you're going to be targeted by the devil and you're going to find yourself in warfare. And when you're in warfare, what he's saying is, when you're in warfare, don't get tired. Don't give up. Don't walk away. Don't quit praying. Don't quit going to church. Don't, don't quit reading your Bible. Don't, don't quit. But put on perseverance. Set your face like a flint like our, the captain of our salvation did. Set your face like a flint. So let's not get tired of doing what is good because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Notice how perseverance plays a part in you obtaining what God has for you. Let me put it this way. Very little of what God has for you is going to be obtained by you without perseverance. Amen. Because between the promise and the provision, there is always a problem. There's always a lag time. There's always a wait time. There's always a keep on keeping, keeping on time. Between the, the promise and the provision, there is that lag time between the two where you've got to put on perseverance. And isn't it funny how, looking back, I can look back on my own life and say the times that I felt like quitting the most were the times when I was almost there. When the provision was almost there. Have you ever noticed that sometimes the devil chooses to attack with the greatest ferocity just before the provision comes? Because he wants to get you to quit. He wants to get you and me to walk away. He wants us to say, well, God's taken too long. And maybe he didn't hear my prayer. And maybe it's just not for me. Maybe I haven't been praying according to the will of God. I don't know what it is, but I know this. I've had it. I'm fed up. I'm just going to walk away. And it is something how you say, all right, I said that, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to keep persevering. And suddenly 
The breakthrough comes. The answer comes. The provision comes. And you realize the devil was trying to stop you just before. That's why we need perseverance. They persevered, these churches, through the evil of their time. Jesus says you cannot bear those who are evil. That's one of the things they were persevering through. you're, You're having to persevere in the evil of your generation, the evil of your time. Times full of evil. Times full of evil deeds and evil people required perseverance on the part of the church. They had to persevere in evil times when their whole message was being countered by the message of their culture. They had to continue anyway. They persevered in the evil of their times. They persevered in the presence of evil men. And are we in any different place? No, America is on a slip and slide into the pit. And what are we to do? Give up and say, well, you know, I just can't handle being a Christian in this, in this, uh, this seething cauldron of temptation and deception. No, 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 no. Listen, trying times are the worst times to quit trying. No, you keep going. You keep pushing. You keep pressing. You keep moving forward, putting one foot in front of the other, knowing that the Savior is going to hold you up. And his grace is sufficient for you. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. We are not to give up, but we are to put on Jesus, put on the armor of light, and get out there like I did at DFW Honda, and let it go. They persevere in the presence of false apostles and false prophets and teachers. Jesus said to them, you have tested those who say they are apostles, and they're not. And found them liars. False teachings and false prophets had infiltrated the church of that day. Can I blow your mind with something? Did you know of the 27 books of the New Testament, 26 of them deal with false teaching and false prophets? Did you know that? No? You got a case of the no-nods today. Let me see. I did know that. I didn't know that. All right? Of the 27 books of the New Testament, 39 old, 27 new, 26 of them deal with the issue of false teachers and false prophets. Only one doesn't, the book of Philemon, that's it. Aside from the book of Philemon, all the rest of the New Testament gospels, the the four gospels and the letters, they deal with false teachers and false prophets. I wonder why, because there were a lot of false teachers and false prophets, and there are today too. Listen to Peter. There were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be. Everybody say, will be. False teachers among you and me. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Notice, they will introduce into the church destructive heresy, which is false teaching. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. They ruin the testimony of the church by what they say and what they do. They ruin the testimony of the church. They bring the church into disrepute. Verse 3, in their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated, made-up stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them. Their destruction has not been sleeping. How will they exploit you? That means they will take advantage of your ignorance. They will take advantage of your naivete. They'll take advantage of your trust. And they will introduce things they've made up. 
Oh yeah, I go to heaven every other day. I go up there to heaven all the time and talk to the apostles. Oh, that's out there. Oh yeah, I've I've got an angel. Me and the angel, we go for a walk regularly. I I converse with my angel. Or I've got some, I've got some real precious, um, stones, crystals, and, and they give me power. Uh, um, um, Oh, I could go into so many false teachings that are out there. False prophecies. Things that are uttered, predicted, that don't come to pass. Uh, they make things up. They'll make things up. I'm, I'm just reading the Bible to you. They will fabricate stories. Why? It says out of their greed. They're after your money. Did I come to preach today? Did I come to tell the truth today? I did. I'm not saying this is all of them. I believe in the gift of prophecy. I believe that it's real, but I also know because there's a real thing, there's a false thing, and you got to be careful. And Jesus is commending this church saying, you persevered in the midst of false apostles. You tested them. You took the time and trouble to test them, and you discovered that they were false. You didn't just let them slide, but you tested them, and I commend you for it. We sit around going, well, you can't judge anybody. Jesus just commended them for judging Didn't he? Are you reading what I'm reading? But Pastor Jeff, that's just not love. It's not. If you have cancer and I'm a doctor and I say to you, I'm just not going to confess it. You're okay. Go home. No, I'm going to tell you the truth so that you can get it fixed. So, so there is a cancer in the church and it's false prophecy, false teachers are everywhere. And, and he commends them for testing their claims and persevering through the testing so that they were not taken in by it. Amen. Second characteristic is keep the faith. To the church at Pergamos, Jesus says, I know your works and you you, uh, hold fast to my name and you did not deny my faith. Notice that. You didn't deny my faith. To the church at Philadelphia, he says the same thing. I know your works. You have kept my word. Same as my faith. Same thing. You have kept my word, my faith, and have not denied my name. So Jesus commends the churches that refuse to back down from the faith. The faith. We find in the book of Jude, if you read the one chapter book of Jude, Jude says, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Now he is isolating and holding before us not just any faith, not just any religion. He says, what we have brought to you and what Christ Jesus brought to us is the faith, the faith that was once for all delivered to you. And he says, I want you to contend for it. Now, to contend means to wrestle. So, so the faith was under attack. The faith. I'm going to tell you what the faith is in just a moment. But the faith in Jude's day, in the first century, in the early church, already it was under attack. And Jude said, I want you to get in the wrestling ring and I want you to get in there and I want you to fight for, contend for, uh, uh, get involved against the enemy and fight to uphold and sustain and maintain and proclaim the faith. The faith that was once for all delivered. That means it's completed. It's finished. No change is necessary to the faith. What Jesus left us is the faith, the once-for-all faith, the complete faith, the doesn't-need-anything-else-attached-to-it faith. It's the faith. 
So what is the faith? Are you ready? Here it is. For God so loved the world. That's the faith. That he gave his only begotten. Begotten means one of a kind. There's never been another one like it. Never will be another one like it. God so loved the world, he gave his only one of a kind. Only one of a kind son. Now, do you know who quoted John 3.16? It's Jesus saying John 3.16. Jesus said, God so loved the world, he gave his only one of a kind son, me. That whoever believes on me will not perish, but have everlasting life. He said, I'm leaving you an exclusive faith. I'm leaving you a one of a kind faith. I'm leaving you a the faith. There's no other faith but the faith that'll get you into heaven. The faith is the only faith that'll work to get you into heaven. The faith is the only faith that'll wash your sins away. The faith is the only faith that'll get you born again, changed from the inside out. The faith is not a New Year's resolution. The faith is not rehab. The faith is not turning over a new leaf. The faith is not self-improvement. The faith is God so loved the world that he gave his only one-of-a-kind begotten son, that whoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. And here's what Peter said about the faith. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. No other name than the name we find in the faith. You know, I've got a key. There's only one key that will get me into my house. There's millions of keys in Fort Worth. There's only one key that'll get me into my house. And if you saw the key that gets me into my house, it's very dull. There's nothing attractive about it. It's, it's old. It's worn out. It's kind of of a dull brass color. It doesn't even gleam anymore or glisten. I've held it so many times. Been in this house 29 years, about to move. Hallelujah. Closer to here. Hallelujah. But, 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 but I could get all the millions of keys in Fort Worth. I was in a store the other day, and I saw this key rack where they make keys. You get a key made. And I saw all the options. I mean, there was polka dot keys. There were keys that had little dogs on them, little kitty cats on them. There were keys that, that were bright green, bright yellow, bright red, bright this and that and the other, colorful. There were keys that had stripes. There were keys of all kinds of different keys. But I could get all those keys, put them in a bag, take them to my house, and start trying them. Not one of them will let me into my house. Not one. Not one will open the door to my house. Not one. There's only one key that'll get me into my house. When the storm is raging, when the thunder is rolling, when the lightning is flashing, when the wind is howling, and I need to get into my house for safety, only one key out of the millions of keys in Fort Worth will get me into my house. Only one. You say, well, that sounds real narrow, but it's the truth. No, Pastor Jeff, you ought to try some of the others. Why would I waste my time? I've got one that gets me in. <laughs> right? I've got one that gets me in. Why, why would I waste my time? Well, because they're more colorful. See, a lot of people, here's the way they see Jesus. He's dull. No, he doesn't stand out. No, no, he's not, he's not glittery and, and, and he, he's not attractive. He doesn't gleam glitter. He's not... Uh, he, he doesn't appeal to me. He doesn't sparkle. He doesn't, he's not cool. He, he's, he's, he, Jesus. No, why would I go back 2,000 years to some old religion? There's all kinds of keys around. There's Buddhism. There's self-improvement. There's hug a tree. 
There's all kinds of, of religions and beliefs and faiths. It doesn't really matter which one, as long as you have one. It doesn't really matter. You telling me it doesn't matter? I'm telling you, like there's only one key that gets me into my house. There's only one key that will get you into the house called heaven. Only one. Only one. Only one. And without that key, when the storm of judgment, can I tell you today, truthfully, there's a judgment coming. There's a judgment coming. It's going to be so ferocious, so terrible, so terrifying that the book of Revelation says the men, the rich, the poor, the in-between, the who's who's, the not who's who's will be crying out to the rocks and to the mountains, fall on us to hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne. I'd rather be buried in a mountain of rocks than face him. And have to answer for my sin. That's why I tell you today, you will never hear and hear, oh yeah, grab any old key at the store. Nothing, it doesn't matter. As long as you got a key. Oh, that's just so stupid. It's as stupid as me believing that about a house key. No. Not just any faith will do. They kept his name is the last thing. And I close with this. They kept his faith and they kept his name. He said to Pergamos, I know your works, and you hold fast to my name. The church of Philadelphia, he said, I know your works. You have kept my word and have not denied my name. Isn't that interesting? Jesus points out, you didn't deny my name. The church God blesses will always uphold and magnify the name of the faith, Jesus Christ. There's a dangerous movement out there today, and the movement is called an ecumenical movement, ecumenical, and it's all about unity. And here's what it means. If you're ecumenical, then here's your belief. You believe that you ought to gather all faiths together in one. Get all faiths, because what we really want above anything else is unity. Unity becomes more important than truth. And you can never let unity become more important than truth. But yeah, we got to be unified. we got to make a testimony to the world about God, whoever their God is. So, what this means is, there's not just one way and one name. There's not a the faith and the name. No, but, but uh, uh, genuine love, if you love people, you want to unify. And if you want to unify and you, and you love people, then you embrace all faiths and you say that all spiritual leaders are equal. So Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, Confucius, Dalai Lama, Krishna are all on equal footing if you're a good ecumenical person. If you say there's only one name and only one way around people like that, you'll be mocked and ridiculed and ostracized, called less than intellectual, called dumb, uh, out, of, out of the groove, you're not with it, you don't understand unity and ecumenism is the most important thing, but it's not. Jesus never told us to be ecumenical. He said, tell the truth. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And no man gets to the Father but through me. That is the truth of the faith. Uh, and it revolves around the name and the person of Jesus Christ. But he said, I thank you. He said, I commend you, not thank you, but I commend you that you've held fast to my name. The exclusivity of it, the uniqueness of it, the one-wayness of it, the no-other-wayness of it. You've held to my name.
Can we stand together? Let me tell you, in DFW Honda this week, when I said the name of Jesus, something happened in that place. It did, I'm telling you the truth. I could have said, oh, great, so you have found Buddha. Nobody would have looked up and blinked. If I could have said, I'm so glad that you're reading Confucius, he'll really help you to think straight. Nobody would have cared. But when I said, Jesus is Lord of your life, it just went like ripples throughout that whole place because he's the key. I just want to weep when I see what's happening to our country because we're all about, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter what faith, it doesn't matter what your conviction. It does too. Everybody say Jesus. Can we just say Jesus? So they persevered. They kept the faith. They kept the name. That's the church God commended. So we can hold our hands up towards the Lord. Let's just say together, Lord, help me to persevere through all the trials beating on me right now. Help me to keep the faith. And help me to exalt the name without shame or embarrassment. In Jesus' mighty name. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise today? Thank you, Lord. Can we bow for just a moment? Then I'm going to let you go. Just bow for a moment. Maybe someone is here or watching by video and you say, Jeff, I've never called out on the name. I haven't asked Jesus to save me. I haven't asked him into my heart. I haven't repented to him for my sin." And maybe there's just one here today, maybe none. I don't know, but I don't want to leave without giving you a chance to say, Jesus, please forgive me. Come into my heart today. I want to pray a simple prayer with you if that's you. Right where you're standing, pray with me right now. If you think, I I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need what you talked about today. Say this with me. Pray right to him. We're looking at him now. Say, Lord Jesus. I know I'm in sin and only you can forgive me. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and come into my heart, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart and be my Savior and my Lord from this moment forward. In Jesus' name. 